From red flags to watch for when interviewing candidates to warning signs and employee plans to quit, we've covered a lot of ground this year. Today, we'll take a look back at some of our best moments in 2019. Welcome to HRpreneur, a small business podcast by ADP. I'm Jim Duffy, and I'm Vice President of Marketing for ADP Small Business Services Division. You work incredibly hard to support your employees and make your business flourish. More than likely, this means you wear lots of hats, and one of those might be of an HR professional. We're here to help you get the insight you need to tackle day-to-day workplace issues. On today's special edition of HRpreneur, we'll take a look at all the highlights and standout moments from 2019. Make sure to subscribe today and never miss a moment in 2020. Just search for ADP on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen. So let's kick it off. In the early days of HRpreneur, Kristen LaRosa and Merrill Gutterman, Counsel for ADP's Small Business Services, shared with us red flags to watch for when interviewing candidates. How should you handle a candidate who seems to be dodging your questions? So that is a great question. Uh, in some cases, the candidate may just be nervous or may have lost track of your original question. Uh, so in that case, you want to simply repeat or rephrase the question. Uh, but maybe you're getting the feeling that they're evading the question entirely. Uh, So there, again, you can try rephrasing the question and also emphasize the information that you're looking for. So for instance, if you ask the candidate what they liked and disliked about their most recent job, but they only share the positive aspects, you could say something like, okay, you've told me about the positives, but how about the negatives of your last job? And if the candidate still doesn't answer your question, take that into consideration as you move forward. Right. And alternatively, you may find that the candidate is really only telling you what they think you want to hear. So if their responses seem overly rehearsed, you may want to try more direct questions to trigger more honest answers. And you may want to present a hypothetical challenge that they may face on the job and see how they handle it and answer the question. Up next, the team shared why you should avoid certain seemingly harmless interview questions. What if the interviewer asks about the applicant's family? So in an effort to make small talk, this question is probably more common than you'd think. And candidates will often volunteer information about their family or children without even being asked. And an interviewer may mean no harm by asking if an applicant is married or if they have kids. But some states do prohibit discrimination on the basis of pregnancy or things like marital or family status. So while asking the question may not be unlawful per se, making a hiring decision based on an employee's marital or family status could be, uh, which is why we always tell our clients to refrain from engaging in this line of questioning. That's right. And if you're concerned about the candidate's ability to travel or their ability to work overtime, your best bet is to explain to them what your scheduling expectations are and ask them whether they're able to meet those requirements. And along with that, make sure you're being consistent when you're asking these types of questions so that you're asking all the candidates in your pool whether they can meet scheduling and travel expectations, not just your female applicants, for example. So those were snippets about hiring. We also dug into employee relations issues. In this next clip, Kristen and Merrill provide tips for making sure difficult conversations go smoothly. So if you're preparing for a conversation that you've already labeled in your mind as quote-unquote difficult, what advice do you have for pushing through? Well, one thing you can do is reframe the situation in your head. Uh, For instance, if you think that you're preparing for a performance review where feedback is less than stellar, 
Maybe think of it instead as an opportunity to provide constructive feedback to get the employee back on track in their job. What if the conversation is really difficult? Like, hey, your grooming habits violate company policy. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, The reality is poor hygiene can have a negative effect on customers and coworkers. Um, So when you're addressing this type of issue, I think it's important to strike the right balance between being sensitive but direct. So I would recommend that you have the conversation in a private setting. Uh, Start by letting the employee know that you're about to discuss a difficult topic. Uh, And also remember that you've had time to process this issue, uh, but with them, they may be completely unaware that a problem even exists. So uh, you want to kind of be mindful of that. And also try to explain the issue in very factual terms, avoiding any judgmental language, and treat the employee with respect. Uh, And I would also add uh, that you want to check to see if your company has a relevant policy in place so you can cite to the policy and its intended purpose during your conversation. Here, we talk about managing the unmanageable and some ways you can help diffuse the damage difficult employees inflict on everyone else around them. And it almost seems like confrontation and difficult employees don't mix well. How do you do it right without antagonizing the employee? Well, we recommend starting with a non-threatening conversation with the employee. Uh, Let the employee know where they're falling short and then try to offer them support to improve and Perhaps they'll need additional resources or training to do their job effectively. So come to the table with potential solutions and also make sure that you're keeping a record of and you're documenting all of the interactions you're having with the employee. Yeah, and I would also add that having a process in place for how your company will address performance issues can serve as a great guideline for how to have these conversations. And employers can often do this through effective manager training programs that focus on how to deliver feedback and effectively work with HR in navigating employee performance issues. We also had the opportunity to talk about HR advice that makes us cringe. There's just a lot of advice out there that's not good. Um, But one example that comes to mind is the idea that you should reclassify your employees or simply hire workers as independent contractors in order to help save money. Uh, We've seen a lot of businesses going in this direction, especially when you look at workers who are part of the gig economy. Well, as Kristen mentioned, yeah, there's a lot of bad advice out there. Um, I don't know if this is the worst advice I've heard, but it's certainly among the most common and concerning. Um, And that is, if an employee didn't get authorization to work overtime, then you don't have to pay them overtime. We know a lot of small businesses hire family members. In this next clip, we talk about how you can help prevent favoritism in the family business. How can family-run businesses prevent the perception of nepotism? Well, that's difficult to say exactly, but things like holding all employees accountable, measuring against the same performance standards, and not making any exceptions. All of those practices can help eliminate this perception. And some employers actually prefer their family members to work for a different company, but in the same industry, in order to get the necessary experience before working for the family business. So this can help ensure the employee has the background required for the role and may help avoid any perceptions of nepotism. Got it. Also, working with family members could present its own set of challenges, which could negatively impact the workplace. How should employers address things like workplace drama among family members? 
Right. I think family or not, issues do occur from time to time. So just like any conduct rule that you have, um, employers should clearly communicate expectations. And then when there are conduct issues that arise, make sure that you're handling the situation promptly and fairly and consistently, whether or not it involves a family member. So moving on to compliance, just a few months ago, the Department of Labor released a final rule that will increase the minimum salary required to be exempt from overtime. Merrill provided an overview and shared guidelines to help you prepare. Well, effective January 1st, 2020, the minimum salary requirement for the administrative, the professional, and the executive exemptions is going to increase from $455 per week to $684 per week. And employers are also going to be able to count certain types of bonuses towards meeting this obligation. And the final rule is also going to increase the total annual compensation requirement for the highly compensated employee exemption to $107,432 per year. And at least $684 would have to be paid on a weekly salary basis. I would say one of the most important things you can do to comply with the FLSA and the new overtime rules is to make sure that your employees are properly classified as exempt and non-exempt, right? So with the effective date, it's fast approaching. So you need to start now to consider the potential costs of reclassifying exempt employees who may earn less than the new minimum, as opposed to increasing their salary to meet the new threshold. And also make sure you're communicating with your supervisors, but that's really important, and training them on the final rules as well, and be sure that they're prepared to provide employees with information that's consistent with your company's policies on overtime and time tracking. To conclude our best of episode, Kristen and Merrill talk about warning signs that an employee plans to quit and what you can do about it. So an employer begins to observe some of these signs. What can the employer do? I think it depends but I would recommend that managers try to proactively address the situation. Uh, Certainly, a certain amount of turnover is inevitable, but there are steps that you can take to help improve retention, especially for your strong performers, before these warning signs appear. Uh, So, for example, things like conducting employee surveys or exit interviews with departing employees can help you gauge employee satisfaction and maybe find out why employees are choosing to leave your company. Right. And some employers go even farther and ask their current employees why they're happy with the company or why they're unhappy with the company and also what circumstances might cause them to leave. So these are typically referred to as stay interviews and stay interviews can help you understand how you can improve your workplace proactively and that could hopefully help reduce attrition. So that wraps up our best of 2019 episode. With that, I'd like to wish everyone a happy new year. I also want to thank the ADP Client Appreciation Program for sponsoring today's episode. You can earn free payroll by referring ADP, and if you want to find out more, you can just reach out to your local ADP sales rep. We also want to thank you for listening to HRpreneur. To listen to any of the episodes we just covered, check out our archive. And to avoid missing out on new content, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review. Thanks again for joining us.